0: Welcome to Addicted to Murder. This is Courtney, licensed professional counselor with over a decade of experience.
1: And this is Trisha. And my grandma was really a philokyebist. <laughs> was she now? <laughs> philokyebist. That is someone who likes dice games. Oh. And I've... she was played a lot of ten thousand or one thousand or I can't remember what it was called, but <laughs> with Grandma Pat. Who knew that there was a word P. for that? Yeah, there's like a word for everything. It's true. It's true. That's what, you know, the English language is crazy. I mean, maybe other languages are too. I don't even know if that's an English word. It's in Boulder Dash though. I think they're supposed to be English words. Yeah, probably. But roots and other, you know. Other languages. languages. Yep, yep. Um, welcome back to Addicted to Murder, Eileen Warnos, part two. Yes. But before we get into that, Tricia, I have a question for you. Fire
0: away. So we are getting close to Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. holiday foods, all of that kind of thing. So my question for you is about pie. What is your favorite flavor of holiday gathering pies? Does cherry count?
1: Sure, if your family has that at holidays. I mean, I would... Cherry or lemon meringue would be my pie of choice at every gathering. <laughs> I don't like the traditional, like, like pumpkin pie is okay. I'll mm-hmm. eat it if there's enough whipped cream on it. I don't like pecan pie. Oh, Mm-mm. And um, I don't really like apple pie. Oh. I like the taste of it, but I don't mm-hmm. like the texture of it.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: So I would say cherry or lemon meringue. Got it. What about you?
0: Um, in holiday theme, I, I really like a good apple pie.
1: I do. I mean, it's America's favorite pie, I think. Yeah. Or, I don't know, as American as apple pie, that thing. Right. They say.
0: Although I think, like, really, pumpkin pie is, like, the most American thing ever.
1: Like, nowhere else
0: eats pumpkin pie. Really? I don't think so.
1: What do they do with pumpkin? Nothing? Um, nothing. They put it in squash, or they put it in squash. They put it in, like, soup?
0: Yeah, That's about it? Yeah. I I don't know. Feel like pumpkins are kind of like an American thing.
1: Pumpkin spice lattes happen nowhere else. Hey, if you live in another country, do you have pumpkin spice lattes? Please let us know. I'm kind of curious yeah. now. so <laughs> oh, yeah, it's really probably an American thing, thing that you like to, to
0: have it yeah, eat. but yeah. yeah For okay. me, good classic apple pie with a crumb topping. Mm-hmm. not I'm not a big fan of pie crust, yeah, most of the time, but a nice crumble on top. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. so like a, a cobbler. I mean, kind of. It can have like the bottom crust. Okay. But. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's making me want Thanksgiving food. You know. Which is an American holiday. It very much is. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Well, Courtney, do you want to give us a recap about what we've learned about Eileen Warnos and her awful childhood? Yes. Last time, we learned
0: about Eileen's horrific and trauma filled childhood and adolescence. So she was born to and then abandoned by teen parents, raised by her abusive grandparents. She experienced physical, sexual, and emotional abuse throughout her childhood. She turned to drugs, alcohol, sex, and fire setting from a very early age, dropped out of high school, was kicked out of her home as a teen, gave a baby up for adoption when she was, I'm guessing, around 15-ish, um... Lost her father, grandparents, and brother all by the age of 20. And we last saw her being married to a much older millionaire named Lewis, but struggling to adjust to life off the street, which resulted in physically attacking her husband when he attempted to control her.
1: Yes, and that marriage ended. <laughs> So Eileen pled guilty to assault and battery against her ex-husband in uh, August of 1976. She paid her fine and then came into some money when her brother's Keith life insurance was paid out to her as next of kin. So she got $10,000 for that. She put down most of that money for a new car, which was eventually repossessed. Eileen was not good with her money. Same. She blew all of that money in three months. To make money, Eileen dabbled in prostitution and met a guy who she stayed with. Apparently, she fell in love with him, but true to form, her emotions got the better of her. They got into a fight, and Eileen got into a car and went and bought a gun. She drove around contemplating suicide, and she couldn't take another person she cared about leaving her. Instead, um, of, But instead of killing herself, she held up the Magic Market in Edgewater, Florida. Wearing only shorts and a bikini top. Quote, I was fed up with living. I had no car, no money, no family. I had nothing. Struggling seemed senseless. I even tried to join the service, the Army, Air Force, but you need 42 points to pass. And I always missed by exactly five points. So I was going to kill myself. I drank a case of beer and a quarter pint of whiskey. I also took four reds, Librium, end quote. So she ended up getting a whole $33 from that robbery. And I guess she was really drunk when she did that robbery. She just said she had a case of beer before she did it and some whiskey. And she walked out very slowly, very drunk. She eventually found her car keys. I think she stole the car, borrowed it, and drove away from um, the store. But her radiator blew. So she was arrested and charged with armed robbery. She was sent to the Florida Correctional Center in Lowell in May of 1982, She got in trouble six times while there for fighting and not following the rules. She was released in June of 1983 and moved in with a prison pen pal, but he soon realized that she had major issues and did try to get her help, but no one would admit her. He dumped her, and her old boyfriend would not take her back, so she was abandoned again. Courtney?
0: Abandonment and feeling worthless seem to be the themes that follow Eileen through her life. And it's so unfortunate that she was not able to access mental health care when she so obviously needed it. I really wonder what could have been prevented had she been given some intense therapy and addiction treatment.
1: In May of 1984, Eileen was arrested for trying to use a forged check. She got bailed out and pled guilty to forgery, but did not show up for her sentencing hearing. She got herself a warrant for that one. In 1995, Eileen had her first same-sex relationship. It was a tumultuous relationship and full of domestic violence. The two of them decided to start a steam-cleaning business with each other. That's kind of random. And, you know, what could go wrong? Well, poor Eileen, she came home one day to the place they shared, and she had been cleaned out. Everything was gone except a fan and a huge phone bill. She was next arrested for car theft and resisting arrest, and she also used a fake name, so they tacked that on too. She got bail and disappeared. It sounds like in June of 1986, Eileen pulled a gun on a man and demanded $200. I'm not sure if this was a John or a friend. She was arrested again for grand theft and having a concealed gun. She failed to appear for that court date and got another warrant. She continued to get arrested for all sorts of things. Anything you want to touch on, Courtney?
0: So during our last episode, we talked about a potential diagnosis of antisocial personality disorder, which I think is clearly demonstrated by her actions and frequent arrests throughout this time period in her life. I do want to clarify, however, that I do not believe that Eileen is a psychopath. She does experience emotions, including love and remorse.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, that... Yeah. Eileen met the love of her life. Well, I'm speaking for her, but that's the way it seemed to me while doing the research for this case. Tyria Moore was a 24-year-old lesbian who had her fateful meeting with Eileen at a gay bar in 1986. Eileen had this to say about Tyria. Quote, "'It was love beyond the imaginable. Earthly words cannot describe how I felt about Tyria. I thought Tyria must be taken care of as she herself had never been.' The only reason I hustled so hard all those years was to support her. I did what I had to do to pay the bills because I didn't have another choice. I had warrants out for my arrest. I loved her too much. Then the fucking bitch sold me up the river. I hate the bitch. Courtney, let's talk about borderline personality disorder and the ways that Eileen displays this. Also, do you think that she truly did love Tyria?
0: So I definitely agree that Eileen likely had borderline personality disorder along with ASPD and complex trauma. And so BPD's main characteristics include having unstable moods and intense emotions, extreme fear of abandonment, relationships that vacillate between adoration and hatred, unhealthy risky behaviors, and chronic suicidal thoughts or actions. And it is often linked to childhood trauma. So when I look at Eileen, she displays mood swings and intense emotions, particularly extreme anger and rage. She has had so much rejection and abandonment in her life that this continues to be a major trigger for her. Her relationships have been unstable and tumultuous. Just looking at her description of her relationship with Tyria, in the same paragraph, she goes from, I loved her too much, to, I hate the bitch, and we have seen her engage in risky coping behaviors, including substance use and sex, as well as suicidal behaviors. Eileen fits all the criteria of BPD very well. Um, And as for her relationship with Tyria, yes, I do believe that Eileen genuinely loved her, as I stated before, she was not a psychopath. Um, so she was capable of love.
1: So I one of my test questions um, was the difference between, like, defining antisocial personality disorder and psychopathy. Mm-hmm. And I think you kind of, so we sort of just kind of went over it and what I sort of learned. Antisocial personality, now correct me if you think I'm wrong, antisocial personality disorder is observed traits.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Some you could have... Multiple psychologists or whomever observe someone and they could all come to the same conclusion.
0: Mm-hmm. They
1: could observe the traits that make someone ASPD. They would all find that person has ASPD. Psychopathy is internal. So mm-hmm. we can't observe that Eileen can't love. Mm-hmm. Only she knows if she doesn't feel those mm-hmm. feelings. That's not something that I could look at her and know. Right. Um, without her Like saying saying something, because it's not a a behavior that you can just observe. You can't like look at her Mm -hmm. police record and say, this means she doesn't love, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Right. So her, in her own words, expressing all of the feelings she does have and the love that she does feel, like, yeah, so she wouldn't meet the criteria for psychopathy. Exactly. Does that sound... Kind of like a good distinction between the two. That's how I have to do it in my mm -hmm. mind.
0: Yeah, I think that is a great explanation of how they are different. Yeah. So like internal versus external.
1: Anyways, that was one of my test questions.
0: Well, I think you got it right.
1: I got most of it right. I think I missed like 0.5 of a point for something I said, but... (laughs) (laughs) So Eileen lied about what she did do to Tyria and her friends. She had, uh, she said that she had the steam cleaning business still, and she would go to, quote, work every day with her suitcase. One day, she came home with a black eye and made some excuse. Tyria's friend looked in her briefcase and figured out what she was up to. Tyria knew that Eileen was a sex worker, and she found it exciting. Eileen was doing a lot of prostitution to keep Tyria. Tyria. Tyria worked a bit for a hotel, but Eileen brought in most of the money by hustling. They moved from place to place, getting evicted sometimes. They liked to listen to loud music and drink. Eileen was rumored to drink up to 24 beers a day. Wherever they moved, Eileen was known to be mean. She even had a reputation with the bus drivers in the community. She got into physical and verbal altercations everywhere she went. Her anger was well known. She was not well liked. So switching gears a little bit here, in March of 1989, Eileen killed her first known victim. Richard Mallory was a 51-year-old who picked up Eileen as she was hitchhiking on a rainy night. Eventually, the two talked about sex and pulled off into a secluded area. Eileen claims the two of them drank beer, and then Eileen removed her clothes. She then said he went crazy on her, and after he failed to get an erection, he slapped her and held her down and was going to rape her. Eileen shot and killed him. Quote, he got drunk and it was a physical situation, so I popped him and watched the man die. Eileen shot him several times with a twenty-two caliber pistol. Courtney? After a lifetime of being
0: abused, sexually assaulted, and controlled by men in her life, Eileen, I think understandably, had a lot of pent-up rage towards the men who harmed her. And in this case, I think that when Richard attempted to rape her, She finally kind of snapped and took that step over the line from just fighting back to killing.
1: Well, and what we know about BPD is that you can't control your emotions very well or your rages.
0: The BPD rage is a real thing. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Well, later on, the judge will not believe Eileen's tale of self-defense in this case, but it does turn out that Mr. Mallory was no saint. He had actually been convicted of attempted rape previously. In fact, he had served 10 years at a mental institution in Maryland for that crime. Of course, the jury did not know this during the trial. Per the book, at Eileen's later trial, the judge said this to Eileen, quote, he didn't attempt to rape you. You brutally shot Mr. Mallory for money. And Eileen responded to him with, Quote, fuck you. I hope you, your wife, and your fucking kids die of cancer. Just a little anger. Just a little bit. Eileen's next victim was David Spears on May 19th, 1980. Eileen claims that they were doing business when David went to the trunk and she saw a lead pipe. This is when he started getting vicious with her. Quote, getting vicious with her. So she found her bag and pulled out the twenty-two and shot him six times. When police found his car 10 miles away from his naked body, they discovered a blonde hair and the seat pulled up too closely for a man of David's size to have been driving. All of his possessions were also gone. Charles um Carxodon was married just a, married, sorry, was murdered just a couple of days later. Eileen had this to say about that murder. Quote, the one with the 45 on the top of the hood. He crawled in the back seat, and I crawled in the back seat, and he said, you fucking bitch, and all that stuff, and I thought, you fucking bastard. I shot him in the back seat, and then I got out and kept shooting. I shot him more than over nine times, because I was pissed when I found the 45 on top of the car. Eileen pawned his gun and was spotted driving his car. Courtney, it kind of looks like she was not self-defending herself on this one. What are your thoughts? I think that
0: in killing her first victim, Eileen felt powerful, probably for the first time, and had found a way to release some of the rage she felt towards the abusive men in her life. And I think that she decided after that point that she was not just going to let men degrade, threaten, or hurt her anymore. And she could let out her anger and punish these men, in a sense punishing all men, before they could take advantage of her.
1: Peter Seams was murdered around June 7, 1990. Eileen and Peter went out to the woods to conduct their business. Natural style, apparently, Eileen claims there was a struggle and she shot him in self-defense. His car was found later and Eileen had left a handprint inside. His body has still not been found to this day. Eileen and Tyria, however, drove his car around and got into an accident. This accident was witnessed by a couple who were able to later describe to the police what the pair looked like. Weeks later, Eileen murdered Eugene Troy Burrus. She shot him twice, and his body was found two days later. On September 6, 1990, Chris, or sorry, Cur- Curtis Corky Reed had his fateful encounter with Eileen. All she had to say about that one was, quote, Corey Reed, what the fuck are you talking about? This death was not officially tied to Eileen, and his body has not been found, but there is some evidence that points to him being one of her victims. Charles Dick Humphreys was murdered on 9-11 of 1990, per Wikipedia. Age 56, retired U.S. Air Force major, former state child abuse investigator, and former chief of police um, was found. That was who he was. And on September 12, 1990, his body was found in Marion County. He was fully clothed, and he had been shot seven times in the head and torso. I'm not sure if he just gave Eileen a ride or if there was more to it, but um, yeah. The last victim that we know of is Walter Gino Antonio. He was a reserve police officer. He was killed on November 17, 1990. Eileen shot him in the back more than once. Courtney, anything you want to go over?
0: So we can see how Eileen's murders evolved over time as they typically do with serial killers. And it seems like the first two or three could have genuinely been triggered by fear And Aileen could have thought that she was in danger. But as time goes on, the kills start happening earlier and earlier during the encounter before the men have a chance to even try to hurt her. And so there seems to be a shift in her thinking from something like men who hurt me deserve to die to something like all men deserve to die.
1: The police were trying to put together what was going on. Eileen did like to dump her bodies in some of the same areas, and the cars found had physical evidence. Prints, hair, and car seats that were moved forward. There were some survivors that the police were able to find. One man picked Eileen up to give her a ride. He claims that she propositioned him three times, and three times he declined. She got angry. She opened her purse, and he saw a gun. He pulled into a gas station and told her she should go call her sister, who she was supposed to be meeting. He gave her $5 to do so and when she got out he sped off like a bat out of hell. Police also found some of the victim's stuff in pawn shops. Eileen's fingerprints that was found on the re- oh, Eileen's fingerprint that was found on a receipt of one of the pawn shops was a match for one left in Peter's car. Because of Eileen's arrest record they were able to make that match. So she's just not being that careful as far as forensic evidence that she's leaving behind. Not at all. I don't know if she's trying really that hard or who knows. Um the police would catch up to Eileen in early January 1991 and she was arrested at the Last Resort biker bar in the Daytona Beach area. Tyria had fled the area and was found in her sister's home in Scranton, Pennsylvania on January 10th. She made a deal with the police. She would try to get Eileen to confess to her crimes and then she would get immunity. She had 11 conversations with Eileen over three days while Eileen was in jail. Tyria would tell Eileen about how afraid she was that she was going to get in trouble for what Eileen did. She was innocent. She needed help clearing her name. She was desperate. Why won't Eileen just confess? Her plays worked. Eileen confessed to the killings, but she said she did it in self defense. Eventually, Eileen quit speaking to Tyria. She must have felt so betrayed and abandoned. Eileen believed that Tyria was going to make millions of dollars off books and movie deals. She felt that Tyria wanted her to get convicted because that was better off for her. She claimed that she counted 289 lies in her deposition. Corey, Corey, Courtney, I'm not feeling anything good for Ty. She may not have participated in the murders, but she knew something was up and still let Eileen pretty much support them for a long time. To hear Eileen say it, She did not want to prostitute as much as she did, but she did it to make Tyria happy. You know,
0: I think it is possible that Tyria did not genuinely love Eileen the way that Eileen loved her and could have been using Eileen. Due to her history and her BPD, Eileen would have been highly susceptible to manipulation because she desperately desired to be loved by somebody and she would have done anything to keep Tyria from leaving her. And so Tyria could have very easily taken advantage of that. They make it... they,
1: It's portrayed that way. Mm-hmm. In, in this book that Eileen did, in the movie, in other things you read, um, they portray it that she doesn't look great. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, Eileen was tried and found guilty for the murders of, Ch- of Charles Malloroy, or for the murder of Charles Malloroy, and she was ultimately sentenced to death for that murder. Tyria testified against her. Her defense team tried to soften the sentence by explaining that she suffered from BPD and ASPD, but to no avail. On March 31, 1992, Ornos pleaded no contest to the murders of Charles Richard Humphreys, Troy Eugene Burress, and David Andrew Spears, as she wanted to get right with God. That's what she said. She later pleaded guilty to the rest of the murder she was charged with. There was no body in Peter Sims' case, so she was not charged with that one. In all, she received six death sentences. She had this to say, quote, I wanted to confess to you that Richard Mallory did val- violently rape me as I told you, but these others did not. Only began to start to." Eileen tried to appeal, but then she changed her mind. She didn't want to get out of her sentences. Per Wikipedia, she wrote this to the Florida Supreme Court. Quote, I killed those men, robbed them as cold as ice, and I'd do it again too. There's no chance in keeping me alive or anything because I'd kill again. I have hate crawling through my system. I am so sick of hearing this she's crazy stuff. I've been evaluated so many times. I'm competent, sane, and I'm trying to tell the truth. I'm one who seriously hates human life and would kill them again. What do you think, Courtney? Honestly, it's pretty refreshingly
0: insightful and honest. Eileen really seemed to recognize the level of rage and hate that she had inside. And now that she'd found a way to release it, she wouldn't have the impulse control to stop.
1: She Basically, why she wrote that was that she still had appeals and stuff, like mandatory appeals or however that process works. Mm -hmm. And she didn't want to do it anymore. She was like, no, I just want to die, basically. Right. Her attorneys or um whomever were trying to convey that she wasn't competent enough to make that statement but the supreme court the florida supreme court was like she seems competent enough to me that's fine we can end your appeal process Mm -hmm. got it so yeah um so eileen was 46 years old when she was executed she originally thought she was going to be electrocuted like bundy was you know this was florida that's where he was fried from, uh, I wonder if it was the same chair. Anyways. Um... So she had prepared herself for that. So the book goes into detail about what happens when you're electrocuted in prison. So this is a trigger warning. This freaked me out. I'm not going to lie, but it was also a little bit fascinating. So they shave you all over to get, you know, better conduction. They force maxi pads into your vagina and rectum and cotton wool into your nostrils and ears to prevent leakage. The execution is an anonymous private citizen who has paid $150 per death. The first drill is a 2000 volt for four seconds then 1,000 volts for seven seconds, and then 200 volts for two minutes. This burns the internal organs, changes the color of the body, and it may even catch on fire. You may lose control of your bowels and vomit blood. So this really does not sound humane to me. No, not at all. I mean, it just like made me pucker when I... It's horrifying. Yeah. And then to like If we take everything that Eileen's done or any of these prisoners, you know, serial killers have done and just take that away, but just look at them as a human, like having to face that's going to happen to you. I just. Right. Anyways. um, So that's what she was expecting to go. Uh, But she ended up being put to death by lethal injection instead. Eileen claimed she was prepared to die. She had been doing a lot of prayer and believed that it would be better for her when she was on the other side. So she was executed on October ninth, 2002. She refused her last meal, well, meaning she did not eat when she could have prior to her execution. Her last statement when she was strapped to the gurney was, quote, I'd just like to say I'm sailing with the rock and I'll be back like Independence Day with Jesus. June 6, like the movie. Big mothership and all. I'll be back. The only other sounds she made were two coughs. Courtney? You know, this it's just so
0: sad and I can't think of the electric chair without thinking of that scene in Mm -hmm. the green mile, um, which just breaks my heart. Um, And so I'm so glad it's not used anymore. I mean, I'm, I'm not a big proponent of the death penalty Mm -hmm. anyway, but especially something that is so inhumane like that. Yeah. Um, But I'm also sad about Eileen's life. You know, I was actually talking about this case with my husband, um, and he said something that I liked. He said that, quote, I can never justify murder, but in some cases I can understand why it happens. And in this case, her killing people was not justifiable, but it is understandable.
1: Very insightful, Courtney's husband.
0: Yes. I mean, he does have a criminal justice background and has worked in mental health for the last 10 years as well, so...
1: And I don't know if it's because she's a female, but this one just hits differently than the other serial killers mm-hmm. because I maybe it's also because she doesn't have that sexual component. Or at least I don't think so. Right. Or like the torture component the either. S- the sadistic playing mm-hmm. with their food before they eat it type of thing that many of the serial killers that we've studied seem to do.
0: Right. She doesn't seem to like be aroused or get off on other people's pain.
1: Yeah, I think that what she probably got off on was easy money, right? Because she mm-hmm. robbed all of the victims. Right. If I didn't say that, she did. Um, and that release of rage and anger that she probably felt when mm-hmm. she killed them. Having power over a man, which right. is something that she lacked most of her life. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. So... It's just it's just different when it's a female serial killer. I mean, I I don't think that any of the ones that we've covered, granted there haven't been that many, mm-hmm. <laughs> have had that same sexual motivation, which really just to me makes it all the more disturbing. Mm-hmm. Right. When we look right. at the cases, like they're doing this to get off. Mm-hmm. She's not doing it to get off sexually. She's not. I'm not mm-hmm. saying her reasons are better, but
0: yeah. And I mean, thinking of the the few serial female serial killers we've talked about. I think that um, going all the way back to um, our starvation doctor, you know, I think she was really the only one that she didn't get off sexually, um, but she seemed to enjoy the infliction of pain on others.
1: Yeah Oh, sure. Women can still mm-hmm. be sadists. Yes, for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, but just thinking of the other ones we've looked at, yeah, Juana. Um, Juana. I mean, Diane's not a serial killer, but yeah. she's a killer. Yeah. Um, even our, you know, mother from hell, Teresa Noor, yeah. um, didn't just didn't have that, that same part of them.
1: Yeah, it's just probably chalked up that women and men brains are different. Maybe so their impulses look different. Their
0: and their reasons for killing are different.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, that is where we're done with Eileen. Yeah. It's a and sad one. Yeah. Courtney has a, a new case coming up and I don't think I've heard of him.
0: Yeah. I hadn't heard of the serial killer either, but he showed up um on like a list of like forty of the most interesting serial killers in, of all time or something huh. like that. Um I don't remember exactly where I saw the name. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I looked up the name to find out what he was all about, I was like Okay, this is interesting. An, in- an interesting <laughs> one, um, and so my clue for this one is that at one point, um, this man was dubbed the meanest man in America. Hmm.
1: Dun dun dun. Yes,
0: you'll have to tune in next time to find out. Hey, Courtney, what do we do when we pick up a hitchhiker who has
1: a gun in their purse? We go nuts, go home, and go to therapy. Indeed. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Be sure to like, listen, follow, and all that stuff. Yes, thank you. Bye. Bye.